every week they they come and um, you know they they get here at seven thirty seven forty five and rehearse and and they're just um, faithful and to use their gifts. So hey, thank you, worship team and worship leaders. Amen. Do you bring your Bible? We already announced where we're at. We're in the book of Acts. And I have a grand scheme to get through three chapters today. <laughs> Hang on. Fasten your seatbelts. We're in chapter 18, 19, and a little bit into 20. And I'm not going to read the whole thing because that would take about 45 minutes and we'd be done. But I want to I want to go through this these three chapters because it's focusing on uh, uh, Paul's second missionary journey and the beginning of his third missionary journey, and so we're going to be up and I, I I apologize I forgot to put my graphic of the little map but we're up in Asia Minor today, and we're going to take a pit stop over here to Greece, you know at the top of the map over here to Greece, and we're going to be um, in uh, in a place called Corinth. So, um, let's just get right into it. Chapter 18 of, uh, of the book of Acts starts off with um, Paul departing from Athens and going to Corinth, a pretty short, short distance. And we know Corinth because there's a book in the Bible called Corinthians. So we're going to be talking a little bit about what happened in Corinth, but mostly we're going to be focusing on one of the most spectacular places, famous places of the New Testament in just a moment. But so um, Paul goes to Corinth for a while, and it says in verse 2, he says, He found a certain Jew named Aquila, um, who was born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. If you've read the Bible, um, and in the books of, of Romans, of course, and Acts and Corinthians, you see the name Priscilla and Aquila. They were house church leaders. They were from Rome. They actually lived in Rome, and the, um, Claudius, the, the emperor of, of Rome, of the Roman Empire, he kicked all the Jews out of Rome at one point, and Priscilla and Aquila were part of them. So they left. And now they are in Corinth, and Paul meets up with them. At this point, Paul has not been to Rome, but the gospel has probably already been preached there by other people. Uh, the, remember, remember a few weeks ago when we had that graphic of the map, all those red dots everywhere. Um, we have to remember that in addition to the apostles, um, the 12, there were 120 in the upper room. There were those who, who saw Jesus when he walked on the earth and followed him. And so there are people all over the lands preaching Jesus that we don't know about. And we're about to find out how one of them, about one of them who heard the gospel from somebody other than the apostle who's now following Jesus, who found out about Jesus, either uh, directly, probably not, but probably from a disciple. So anyways, um, so, so he runs into these two people, uh, Priscilla and Aquila, and you will find that Priscilla and Aquila become pillars of the church. They become house church leaders, and they follow Paul, and they become really instrumental. Um, at this time, uh, it says that Paul, uh, who was a tent maker, started working with Priscilla and Aquila because they were also tent makers. And that just means they made different types of garments and things like that. So Paul, it says in verse 3 and 4 here, um, says he, he was of the same trade. He stayed with them and he worked for occupation. He was a tent maker. 
and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. So here you have a, bi, a, a bivocational pastor, or pastor Paul, if you will. He's working midweek, and he's in the synagogues every week. One of the things I want to do this today as we go through these three chapters is we're going to pick out some characteristics of some of the people and point to some things that we should be applying in our own life and ways of living that we shouldn't do. So we're going to look at some negative characteristics, character traits, and some positive character traits through different people. One of the things I like about Acts 18 and 19 and 20 is that we're introduced to so many people in these three chapters. More names come up, I believe, in these couple of chapters than in in most of the other books of Acts because, um, remember, the, the writer of Acts was Luke. He's writing to somebody, and he starts pulling out names that this person will be familiar with. So the names that he's talking about were somehow known already by the, to- by the writing of the book of Acts. And so he, he introduces us to a number of people, um, some not so good like Demetrius and seven sons of a Jewish priest named Sceva. He also introduces us to some of his companions like Timothy, who we, who we met a while back, Erastus, um, Sopater, Aristarchus, Segundus, Gaius, uh, Timothy, Tychicus, Trophimus, all these people who become uh, pillars in the church. And also, as you're reading these, if you read some of the Pauline epistles, the letters, you'll find that at the end of the letters, Paul is often greeting these same people. Because after they meet here in Corinth and in Ephesus, they go off and they form their own churches or become part of other church networks. Following so far. Okay, all right. So, so he, he meets Priscilla and Aquila at the beginning. And um, um, he is in Corinth for about a year and a half. If you're taking notes and want to kind of get the timetable, he spends about a year and a half in Corinth teaching, preaching, evangelizing. So the church is growing and the disciples are all growing in number and in depth of their relationship. Um, with the Lord. I want to go down. I'm going to, I see I'm going to be skipping a lot and just hitting on some basic things here. Um, Because it's not, it's all good, but I can't hit it all today. Mm -hmm. These amazing things going on. I want to bring us down to verse 24. He's, he's the, the next person I want us to meet in this, in our, in our walk today. Now, a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria. Alexandria is Egypt, way down. So if you, there, if you think you've got Jerusalem down here and you've got all of this Asia and Greece, well, all the way over here is Alexandria. So now this man, Apollos, has made his way all the way up from Africa, and he's now... In, uh, he's going to be in, in Ephesus here. Now, a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. I'm going to stop there. He knew only the baptism of John. What, what we know about them then is that he was not around Jesus when he ascended, when he gave them the instructions. He was not at Pentecost when Peter gave the message to repent and be baptized into the name of Jesus. Yet he's a follower of God. 
He's a follower of Jesus, and he knows the scriptures well, and he's eloquent, and he is, he is evangelizing with everything he knows. He's semi-equipped, but not fully. You gotta love the heart of the man who knows Jesus, but really hasn't been schooled. He doesn't know everything, but he just knows that Jesus changed his life, and so he has made it his life to go and tell others of the gospel. And then it go, going on, it says, when Aquila and Priscilla heard him, see here, those Aquila and Priscilla are again, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. So if you're taking notes on some of the good characteristics, I want to point out some things about Apollos. Apollos, he was zealous for God, which was just, he just loved God and he wanted to serve him. And he did not wait until he was fully trained in order to do it. He didn't need an education. He didn't need a degree. He just knew that Jesus changed his life and he was willing to tell people about Jesus. And that's a great thing for all of us to know that we are prepared. If you know enough to be saved this morning, you know enough to help somebody else be saved. And so, so Apollos has this, but he's also, I like it in him, is that he's not so proud because here he is, he's eloquent, and he's got some type of status because he's able to preach even in the synagogues, but Priscilla and Aquila find him and, and, and realize that he doesn't have the whole picture yet, so they bring him aside and they disciple him. So even though he himself is an itinerant preacher, he's not so proud that he won't sit under instruction we can learn from him. No matter how old we are, no matter what God has done in our lives, we can still sit under the teaching and continue to learn. But what, what is also amazing is that he, it does, he never stops. Now, he's in Ephesus. We don't know how long he was there and how many people he, were, he was teaching, but he, he got a, his hands on some people. So Priscilla and Aquila instruct him a little bit further, and then he wants to go to Corinth. So Paul has left Corinth, and and then next thing we know is Apollos goes to Corinth. If you read the book of Corinthians, that's the place where, where people begin to say, I'm a follower of Paul, I'm a follower of Apollos. Remember that? This is the same Apollos. So he goes to Corinth and he makes an impression on the, Corinthians church, on the Corinthian church so much that he's, the people begin to almost have him in competition with Paul. And, you know, Paul doesn't care. Apollos doesn't care about that stuff. They're just preaching the gospel. People line up behind personalities. And, and, and that can be such a, a dangerous and a bad thing. But pa Apollos goes and he takes what, what's put into him and he's faithful with it. And he goes and he, and he continues to minister in Corinth. So we, we can really learn from Apollos to be one who would be um, zealous for God and just follow him with our whole heart, understanding that we might not have all the knowledge that we can have, but we have enough to share our faith with others and also to understand that we need to be teachable just as he was. Now, Paul, uh, Paul's going to come out of here in some character traits um, a, few, a few ways because uh, there's a number of things that stand out with me. One, um, the first one I already talked about, he was willing to use his weekends to preach the gospel. You know, he, he worked all week long and though he was tired, he didn't let that stop him. You know, we need to, to remember that w we as, as individuals, and myself included, that even when I'm resting or when I have a day off, that we still can be about the Lord's business, be uh, faithful to serve him however we, he calls us to. Something else happens with Paul. 
We'll get to that in a few minutes. Let me keep going from the end of uh, twenty, uh, end of Acts eighteen. Um, says that uh, verse one, Paulus was at Corinth. Paul was having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and I like this. Finding some disciples, he said to them, "Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed?" And so they said to him, "We have not so much as heard." whether there is a Holy Spirit. Luke would not call these guys disciples if they were not Christian, if they were not followers of the way, yet they don't know of the Holy Spirit. And, and catch this. He, Paul says, so into what name were you baptized? And they say, into John's baptism. So Apollos is in Ephesus. He doesn't know about the baptism of Jesus. And now Paul finds 12 disciples who also don't know about the baptism of Jesus. Is it possible that these disciples are Apollos? It is. We don't know for sure. But, but Bible scholars say that these probably were people that Apollos won to God before he was trained more eloquently, more, more effectively. And so Paul takes these guys, about 12 of them, he says, um, Luke says, and he begins to disciple them. He takes them to the synagogue where he's preaching in the synagogue. They basically kick him out of the synagogue, so he removes himself and goes to a, a private place. And the Bible says that for two years he sat daily in the house of Tyrannus, which is just uh, Tyrannus. You, you guys know what Tyrannus is, right? Who gave him that name? Remember Tyrannosaurus Rex? I mean, that is what it means. I mean, it's a tyrant. I don't know if his parents gave him that name. Hey, look at this guy. Let's name him Tyrant. <laughs> or maybe his disciples, because his, he was a teacher himself. <laughs> he says, man, let, that's, we're going to call him Tyrannus or Tyrannus. Anyway, so they use this guy's, this guy's place. What, you, what we don't know by reading it is that he, he would pro- likely have used his place to teach and to do what he was doing in the early mornings and in the late afternoons. In the middle of the day, has anyone ever been to Mexico or a Latin American country? They take their siestas seriously in this culture. So not there, there, there would be more people awake at midnight at one in the morning than there would be at one in the afternoon. They would all go, and they would take a siesta in the, in the afternoon. So Paul is using the afternoon time when Tyrannus is not in his place to teach. And it says that people came every day to hear him teach, to hear him preach. The disciples and other people so that many converts were one. You know what we can learn from them is that we need to be willing to give up some downtime to learn of God. It's not a once a week thing, but we need to be willing to, to sacrifice to learn of God and to grow in the thing. And, and so these disciples and the people in Ephesus, they're showing that willing heart that where, where it's so common to take a nap, instead they say, no, we want to go and hear of the teachings. We want to come. I remember many years ago, right in this place, um, how I'll, I'll tell t- two quick ones, how I started when I first came to the Lord. Um, I didn't know, really know what to do. And so there was a, a man in the church, and, and I wish Pastor Jeff was here. I don't even remember his name. I kind of remember I was only 15 years old, and Pastor Jeff set me up with him. And he and I came to this church. I must have been 16 because I was driving at 6 in the morning. And the, the heat was the hardly worked. And we would sit over the little floor vent next door to get warm. And he would read to me the scriptures. And we started in the book of Hebrews. 
And he says, we're going to learn Hebrews. And it says, let us leave the elementary principles. And so he talked about the elementary principles. And he discipled me early in the morning. Some years later, when I was in my early 20s, Adam Swanson and I would come. And we would bring a group of of teenagers here, 15 to 20 teenagers. And we would disciple them at 6 o'clock in the morning before high school. Are we willing? You, you came to some of those, I believe. You didn't? You were too, oh, you missed. <sighs> Are you willing to give up some sleep to learn of the Lord? Let's learn from these, these 12 disciples and these, these Ephesians who were willing to go and give their, after, their afternoons to learning about God. Okay. Moving on, in chapter 19, we find um, somebody else here, in, starting in verse 17. Again, we're going to skip because if I read them all, we won't hit them. It says, oops, one of my notes got erased. I know what I'm talking about, so I won't use my notes. It's, it's earlier, it's 13. Then some itinerant Jewish exorcists, which just sounds really strange to me, took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exercise you, and that's with an O, not a C-E. We exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest who did so. So what is this? These are Jews who, who aren't Christians. They're not followers of the way, who see that Paul has power to cast out demons and that things are happening, that he's getting a following. And so they decide, hey, let's get in on this too. We can become popular. We can com- become powerful. We can get a following for ourselves. And there was these seven sons of a Jewish priest who may, may not have been the chief priest. They might have called himself the chief priest. Um, his name was Sceva he had seven sons and they were going around and basically saying in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches now this was actually not that uncommon because the name of God remember as a Jew is extremely holy you cannot say the name of God and so only the high priest would actually know how to pronounce the name of God it was such a holy name that they would never say it in fact, when they saw it written down, they would say Adonai instead of what, what, what we've come to learn as Yahweh. And so today, we do not know how to pronounce the name of God. Not really, because they would not pronounce it. And so if you were secret enough and powerful enough to know the name of God, then, then that was a really good thing to you. So to, to, to do works in the name of God was amazing. So what they did is they did the same thing in the name of this Jesus whom Paul preaches. Now, I love this. I love this, even though it's not very good for these guys. It says in verse 15, the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know about, or I know of, but who are you? But who are you? You know, you can't just use the name of Jesus whenever you want. Jesus, bless them. Jesus, bless them. At some point, who are you? Do you actually know this God? See, we don't want to be like the seven sons of Sceva who didn't have a relationship with Jesus. They didn't know him, so they could not call on his name. In order to call on his name, you really have to 
know him. I believe the, uh, this, is, this is just me. I believe the only prayer that God answers from somebody who doesn't know him, who's not saved, is the prayer that will help lead them to himself. He doesn't, I don't believe that he just answers prayers because you pray him if you don't know God. Oh God, give them this and bless them and protect them. I don't think he answers those prayers unless that prayer will lead them or lead somebody to God himself. You need to know God from the answer your prayers. We need to be those who, who know. And, and, and isn't this pretty cool? I want to be like Paul so much that the demons have heard about me. That's what they said. Jesus I know and Paul I know about. You know, in, in, in Spanish, if you speak another language, it's, it's very similar to this. They have two words for, for know. They actually have three. But, um, they have conocer, which is actually the, almost the identical word in, in the Greek. It's gnosko in Greek and conosco in Spanish. And it means to personally know. You personally know. The other word for, for know in Spanish is saber, which is mean to know about. So the Greek has the same thing. But we miss that. So he's saying, I gnosko, I personally know Jesus, and we know about Paul. Paul was known about by the demons. Wouldn't that be cool? Look out for Josh. Look out, look out for Jim. We know about Jim. We know about these guys. I want to be like that. I don't want to be like the seven sons of Sceva who have a form of godliness, who pretend to be something that they're not and try to, in the name of Jesus, that one that Paul teaches. I don't want you to be that. Let's know the Lord. Shortly after this, so, so and here's a good reason not to be like the seven sons of Sceva. They said, I, Jesus I know, Paul I know about, who are you? Then the man, one, in whom the evil spirit was, leaped on them and did a Jason Bourne. <laughs> Overpowered them and prevailed against all seven of them. That's pretty, pretty amazing. And they fled out of the house naked and bleeding. I've gotten in a few fights when I was in high school and, you know, I mean, I haven't been in a fight in a long time. I never got beat up so bad that I was naked. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) Everyone else said the same thing. He overpowered all of them. So in verse 17, it says, This became known to both all the Jews and the Greeks dwelling in Ephesus. And fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. I want to see some of this kind of evangelism. Demons and people getting beat up. I mean, this is like man stuff. We could make a show out of this one. Yes! And at the end, people come to Jesus. Now, now, this is the next group of people that we want to be, and they were the ones who practiced sorcery. We want to become like them afterwards. Um, in verse 18 it says many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds okay I'm going to stop when you come to Christ one of the things that we have to do is confess our sins now I don't think you need to confess your sins to everybody but you have to confess them to God 
And I believe that there's healing and power when you confess them to somebody else. The Bible even says, confess your sins one to another. Pray for one another. Because there's something that happens when you look at somebody and you start telling your dirt. Say, I look at David because he knows some of my dirt. (laughs) We went to school together. (laughs) I used to play basketball in seventh grade together. (sighs) And you confess your dirt. You confess. Because what what you're doing is you're humbling yourself. And so they began to come and they were confessing their sins They weren't trying to hide them. They were telling their deeds. And it says, verse 19, it says, Also many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all, and they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver, a drachma, your Bible might say, which is about a day's wages. So imagine 50,000 days' wages. Well, now, if we look at American wages, then we're going to go crazy because we're going to go at like $5 million in today, you know, roughly. Even if you go to a, a, maybe a, a poorer country, which I think would be more adequate, um, if, for instance, Guatemala, a day's wage for an average worker, um, if they have a real job, is about $10, 8 to $10 for the whole day, you know. Yet, yet things cost a lot of money down there. So even with that, so 50,000 times 10, we still have $500,000. That's, that's quite a bit. They took their, their, their tablets, their papyri that had all the magical um, incantations and things and see, again, these were very valuable. People would pay for them because they were very superstitious people. And so they thought that there was power in the in- incantation and they burned them. Listen, we need to be like the sorcerers who when we come to Christ, we're willing to fully step into Christ and out of what we're coming out of. We don't want to live in both lands saying, hallelujah, God set me free. I used to be an alcoholic. Now I just drink a couple times, five times a week, whatever it is. We want to step out of it and come and burn it at the altar. What has God delivered you from? Let's be faithful. Let's walk away and fully burn it all, even if it's valuable. And see, for us, you know, there things aren't necessarily evil. There are some things that are evil. For us, that might be a mindset. Are you fully willing to walk away from your joking, from your bad stories, from what behavior are you needing to fully walk away and say, I'm going to burn that. I'm not going to play like that ever again. These guys were willing to give up something valuable to follow Christ. That's something we can all, all learn from. And when that happens, verse 20, the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Now, this next little section, verse 20, talk about somebody who wasn't willing to do that. Ephesus is a principal city. It has principal ports. Um, Even today, you can go to like the British Museum and find uh, ancient pillars that were in the original Ephesus, and they're massive. Um, They had 
gods and goddesses. Artemis was one of the goddesses there. They were, uh, it was, remember, you know, these areas, Rome was ru- ruling over them, but many of them were, had been Greek. And so what the Romans were doing, same thing with the Jews, they would let people still practice their, their way as long as they obeyed Rome. And so Ephesus was a, a very Greek into mythology and all of these different gods. And so they got a lot of, a lot of Greeks, but there's also a lot of Jews. And, and of course, it's ruled by Rome. And so it's crazy. It kind of feels like the United States of America because we've got all these different religions. We don't know who's really ruling, and they're just kind of letting us do our things now. But, um, and so th- some riots start out in Ephesus because, um, verse 23, about that time there arose a great commotion about the way, which is, again, Christianity. For a certain man, Demetrius, has silversmith who made silver shrines of Diana brought no small profit to the craftsmen. Diana was another goddess. He called them together with workers of similar occupation and said, Men, you know that we have our prosperity by this trade. Moreover, you see and hear that not only at Ephesus, but throughout almost all Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away many people, saying that they are not gods which are made with hands. So not only is this, is this trade of ours in danger of falling into disrepute, dis- repute but also the temple of the great goddess diana may be despised and her magnificence destroyed whom all asia and the world worship in other words people are getting saved they don't want to worship the god that we're making these little idols of and we're going to lose money i think it really has nothing to do with his belief in his gods i believe it has everything to do with his fear of losing his livelihood his fear of losing something that's important to him. And so he stirs up riots, stirs up people against Paul preaching. He lies, they, t- he, they take him to the tribunal. Uh, much happens here in this last part. Well, I think we can all look into our lives and look and say, God, is there an area that you're going to deal with me on that? Am I afraid to give up something because I'm afraid I'm going to lose? So Demetrius was so fearful of it he doesn't become a Christian. And we can all think of people in our lives who will not give up what they have to become a Christian. And I don't want us to ever preach the gospel that says that there is no sacrifice in salvation. Jesus made the sacrifice, and we have to. We have to walk away from ourselves and the way we do our own things. We should never let people feel like that when they come to Jesus that they'll be able to do everything that they used to do because God will deal with them and, they'll, and he, will, he will say it's time to give those sins to me. Demetrius wouldn't have it, so he stirred up a riot. I've seen it in churches, seen it in the world where the pastor says something, even people in the church don't like it. He's asking too much of us and they, a revolt begins. Let's not be like that. But let's come and see what the Lord would have for us and from us and be willing to give them whatever. Have you ever known anyone who had to lose their occupation because they became a Christian? It doesn't happen real often, but it does happen. What happens to the man who owns the bar and he gets saved? He's in a quandary, isn't he? Should I continue to sell alcohol, not where just people have a glass of wine, but where people get drunk? 
Because the Bible says there, there's no doubt we're not supposed to be drunk. So can you keep that bar? What about the tabloid owner? Newspaper who tells lies or even tells truth but destroys lives and they come to Christ. Do they have to get rid of their newspaper? If you want to research that one farther, I really encourage you to read the book. Oh my goodness, In His Steps. In His Steps. If, if, do you remember reading that, Anne? Yeah, we did it as a, as a church 25 years ago or so. It's, it, the book is about a whole town, different people come to Christ, and as they come to Christ, they're challenged to ask a question, and this book is very old, so th- this is where the bracelets came from. What would Jesus do? See, the bracelet people stole it from the book. What would Jesus do? Well, some occupations, some, some you have to quit. That wasn't, that wasn't my testimony. I wasn't doing something I had to... There was a lot of things I had to stop doing, but I didn't have a whole occupation. Demetrius had an occupation that he would have to stop. And maybe you do too. Maybe there's something in your life that God would say, it's time for you to stop this occupation, this habit. Let's not be like Demetrius, but let's be like those ex-sorcerers who are willing to burn it all. We're already through chapter 19. Isn't that awesome? We're moving really fast. There's some great things in here that you you go back and read. I encourage you. Um, And hopefully you're reading along in your midweek readings also. Starting in verse 20. And I wasn't going to really hit a lot of 20, except that really 20, chapter 24, follows through with, with Ephesus. I'm going to go back to Ephesus for a second. So Ephesus is a, is a principal port. It's a principal place in, in Christendom. Um, from Ephesus, Paul writes the letter to the Corinthians. He writes it in Ephesus. He writes to the Ephesians when he's in prison in Rome. There's another book that has Ephesus in it. Remember? Revelation. The seven churches. Ephesus is one of the churches. Now, when you read the book of Revelation and you read the letters to the seven churches, they were really seven churches. Again, if you remember our, our, our map up here with Africa and Jerusalem and coming up into Antioch up there and then Tarsus and then over here would be, way over here is Rome, before that is Greece. Well, just on this side of Greece is Asia Minor. Um, you know, in a sense, I'm, maybe you can remember seeing it up there. In Asia Minor is where uh, Ephesus is, but that's also where Laodicea and Smyrna and um, Philadelphia. I won't get them all. There's seven of them. It's like the dwarfs. (laughs) But the seven churches of Revelation. Ephesus, we're right now at about 52, 53 A.D. Right now at Book of Acts. Book of Revelation is written probably in the late 80s. So 35 years later, roughly. And now the churches are having problems. And so seven letters are written to the churches. You can read those. I encourage you to because you can find truths in those for today. They're not just prophetic pointings to the end times churches. They, they are re- letters written to actual churches that were going through these actual problems. 
They're also applicable because at any given time, you, your church, your era, you personally might be going through some of these same things that the churches went through. So Ephesus had a problem. We know more about the, um, the town of Ephesus than any other town because um, these multiple chapters were there, multiple people um, refer to the book of Ephesians and the book of Revelation. So we actually have a great picture of what was happening in Ephesus. So it's kind of nice. Starting in verse 20. It says, After the uproar had ceased, the, the danger of the riot that would just happen with Demetrius, Paul called the disciples to himself, and he embraced them, and he departed to go to Macedonia. Now he's on his third missionary journey here. He's actually left Ephesus once, and he came back on his third journey. Now when he had gone over that region and encouraged them with many words, he came to Greece, okay, same Greece. He stayed there for three months. Probably he stayed in Corinth, just so you know. And when the Jews plotted against him as he was about to sail to Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. Now comes these people, listen to this. And Sopater of Berea accompanied him to Asia, also Aristarchus and Segundus of Thessalonians, Gaius of Derby, Timothy and Tychicus and Trophimus of Asia. These men going ahead waited for us, Luke, at Troas. But we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread and in five days joined them at Troas, where we stayed seven days. Now, I'm going to stop and... If you were going to make up a book about some cool things, about what the disciples did, would you write boring stuff like this? And those who say, well, the Bible's just, just a whole bunch of made-up stories, I would have made them up a lot better. I wouldn't have included this junk because there's really no reason for it unless there's a reason for it. And the reason is he's connecting people to actual events and people to places that the recipients knew. See, it, it, for us, for a made-up book, let's get some more excitement in there. Let's get some healings. Let's get some more demons. Let's get some of this crazy stuff going on. But you read this and you go, well, who cares? Except that if you go back, he's talking about real people who still were alive and he was connecting the dots. Have you, I'm a dot connector. If, if you're like me or know anyone who's like me, you've gone to somebody and says, oh, I'm so-and-so and you're meeting them and you say something like, I used to live in West Covina. And they go, what street? <laughs> well, what school did you go to? Well, then they tell you the school. What year? And pretty soon they're going, do you remember Mike and the guy who played this? And they're connecting the dots. Is that you? That's me. Shannon hates it. <laughs> she... I start talking to people and she just leans over and she goes, you don't know them. Because I'm like looking for a way to connect with them. Like, wow, do we have somebody in common? You know, I, I, we, we were gone from Big Bear um, for, for uh, seven years. But other than that, I've been here since 1977, so this is my hometown. When I came back, uh, Matthew, our oldest, he was just about in the, you know, his junior high, and so he started going out and meeting people. And, and inevitably, he would come back like almost every day of going to some event and tell me about somebody they met. And he would say, oh, I met so-and-so, and he'd give me their first and their last name. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I went to school with their parents. <laughs> and every day he would come back, and I am not kidding, it was like every time I would go, oh, yeah, I, I, I know their parents. And he was just getting so sick that one day we're at McDonald's. And... Um, and one of the workers comes over and starts chatting with him. And he's, you know, I, we're doing, I'm doing this so often, he's just really sick of it. 
And, uh, and she walks away. And I said, hey, Matthew, guess what? <laughs> and he goes, what? He goes, I know her parents. He goes, really? I goes, no, actually, I don't. I really don't think I know her parents. It's the first one. So she comes back and starts talking a little bit l- l- more. And I wait, wait a second. Who's your mom? <laughs> and I says, Matthew, I'm sorry. I know her parents. <laughs> But Luke is connecting the dots, just like some of us do and some of the people you've been with, because he's, he's doing it. So he's, he's talking about all these guys, and they're going ahead, and they're going to this place and these places, and, and for us, they're just like, you know, might as well be, you know, Hobbiton and, and Mordia and stuff. I mean, you know, some of these places, they're so, do you get that reference? Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I mean, because it almost can be like that. We hear about these places, are they real? But they're, they're real, and they were real people. Um, and, and, and what's really neat is that some of these people that are, that are uh, mentioned every once in a while, they have found inscriptions. Like one of the companions of, of Paul, um, I think it was Eutychus. No, Eutychus was the one who fell out the window. We're not going to get there. Um, they found inscriptions, and he was a city ruler in, in the city he lived, and they found inscriptions in, in natural stuff. And so some of these people actually, they go, oh, yeah, we know they, they existed. These aren't made up. They sound like made-up names. Sopater, Segundus. I wonder if the first kid was Firstus. <laughs> Segundus? Thirdus? Yeah. Come on. Um, so verse 7, it says, Now on the first day of the week, disciples came together to break bread. That's why we meet on Sunday. It's, they did too. In the Bible, they actually met together on the first day of the week. Sunday's not the last day of the week. It's the first day of the week. Saturday is the actual um, seventh day of the week. So that's why in, in other, it's sabado, meaning Sabbath. So Sunday is the first day of the week. Um, and what day of the week did Jesus rise from the tomb? On the first day of the week, early in the morning. That's why we come together on a Sunday morning, is, is following that idea to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. They were doing it then, and we're still doing it 2,000 years later. Boy, there's like 22 messages in here, so I hope you get one of them. So I'm just throwing them out. Okay, this first part is about, about Eutychus. This is cool. And you guys, you're, you're feeling this way right now. Paul is preaching. He's about to leave, and he's not coming back ever. They don't know that yet. But he is preaching, and so he preaches long into the night. And it's barely 11, so you're Okay. And there's this guy sitting in the window and he falls asleep like some of you have. <laughs> That's why we also have backs on our chairs so if you fall asleep, you don't fall off the bench. And, and this guy falls asleep and they're like up on the second story and he falls out the window and he dies. <laughs> so Paul goes downstairs. Actually, it says he gets on him, lays on him picks him up alive but being a good long-winded preacher he doesn't like they I would like think let's, let's just party now like right somebody was dead now they're alive they go he goes back upstairs and he keeps preaching for like three or four more hours yeah I mean you don't ever think that we go long here I really I try to preach for about 35 45 minutes 
I mean, in the, I grew up hour at least, hour, hour and a half messages in the same church. And, and back then, it's, they did it all night long. So four and five, six hour messages. We'd have to serve lunch. Which that's the other announcement. Leadership meeting immediately following service. There, I almost forgot that one. So anyways, so that, that happens. And then we're, uh, we're almost at the end of 20. And I want to f- kind of follow up with, with these last things. Um, let's go down to, to 17. It's in, in verse 16, Paul decided to sail past Ephesus so that he would not have to spend time in Asia. He was hurrying to be at Jerusalem if possible. You know what that's like, right? You're going to town and you have to drop something off at somebody's house and you know that if you go in there, you're going to get stuck. (laughs) So you do what any good person does and you send your kid in. (laughs) So now you know that if I send my kid in, I don't have time to talk to you. (laughs) I just, I gave us away. I gave us away. I'm red up here. I can feel it. I'm like, oh, man, I've done that to some of you. But you know, it, it's kind of the same thing. Paul's like, if I go there, I'm going to get stuck. So he sails around. But Ephesus is important to him. Um, f- they land in Miletus in verse 17, and he sends to Ephesus, and he called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, and he goes on, and he, and he gives this wonderful, really heart-wrenching message. He, he talks about, uh, he gives them instructions of, of watching out for idle talkers and, and errant teachers. And he encourages them and he tells them, you will see my face never again. And they weep and they kiss and, and, and that's it. He's going to head out pretty soon to Rome where he's going to die for his faith. And he always knew he would for many years. The Lord promised him, promised him persecution. He's got this huge list of companions that I read to you earlier. I'm not going to read them again. I don't They're all there, and he calls the elders, and he ministers to the elders of the church. And, and it's important to remember in, in, in Greek, the word ecclesia, which is church, like iglesia, it, it can mean one local church like, like this. It can also mean the local church, like all the believers in Big Bear are called the church. And the same word is used for the whole wide world believers. Every believer in the whole world belongs to the church. All the believers in Big Bear belong to the church. And here today we belong to the church. Okay? It's all part of his family. But we understand there's a difference. There's local expressions of the body of Christ. And it's important that everyone is involved and committed to one local expression of the body of Christ. It's absolutely important. And I'm I'm talking to the choir because you're all here today. But it's important. What you're doing is right. Because the Bible tells us that we are supposed to submit to the rulers, to the elders, to the pastors who are over you. And it says to the pastors... Shepherd the flock of God that is under your care. How can I shepherd people if I don't know that they're under my care? 
And how can you submit to the ruler that you don't have? We're called to be part of a local expression of the body of Christ. It doesn't have to meet in a building. It can meet in a home. But it's supposed to be a unified body. And in that, Paul teaches, the Bible teaches, that there will, there will be a, a, an elder. And so he calls the elders of not one church. There's too many believers for one church. I mean, there's just too many. We, we know the names of some of them. And we think typically it's them and all their household that are, that are going to church. And they don't have small households. It's not like the United States that has one, per, one mom, one dad, and 2.3 kids. You know, Skiva had seven sons plus his daughters, but a household in these days meant your cousins and uncles and grandparents. They all lived in one compound. When it says your whole house, oh, and your slaves. So when it says you and your household, it's talking about everyone who's in your house. And it could be 20 or 30 people just in one house. We're seeing that happen more and more in this country. You know, the, I, they, the, 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 the Latinos understand this and they do it. And, you know, I mean, it, we're not used to it. But, but, you know, your neighbor who's got like six cars, there's not six cars. There's six families there. They're living together, much like they did in old times. And so the elders that came were all the leaders and the elders of all the little house churches that were in Ephesus. Ephesus was a, a huge city, at least a half a million people at the time. And he calls them and he weeps and he, and he blesses them and he talks to them and he encourages them and he prays with them and they pray for him. And from there, his companions, the ones that we read, they're sent out and they become leaders in the churches and elders and deacons and servants of God. And you read about the same names here in, in the books of Romans and, and Ephesians and Galatians because these people are still around. We want to be the, the character trait of those who, who follow and then go on and do the things that God calls each of us to do individually. Be faithful to it. Whether it's to lead a life group or teach or to witness to your, to your friends, or just to have some people over and to, to love them in Jesus' name, and to stay faithful. Stay committed to a local body, expression of the, of the church. Encourage others to do the same. It doesn't have to be here. You know, I, I got together just two weeks ago with almost every pastor in Big Bear at, at Bobby Martinez's ministry. She had a breakfast for us, and, and she prayed for us, and she blessed us all, and we just had a great time in fellowship. I can, as with Pastor Mike, that covers four churches. We have four Pastor Mikes in Big Bear. <laughs> Anyways, because we're all part of the body of Christ. If you're visiting today, if you're not part of a body, I invite you to become part of our body. If this isn't the right family, you know, every, it's kind of like ice creams. Some ice creams have nuts. <laughs> we do. But we can have more nuts. You can join too. <laughs> but let's remember these character traits. Be those who maybe aren't fully equipped, fully taught, fully educated, but we're willing to teach and to preach the gospel. Like Apollos. If we're working all week, we still can find time to serve him on the weekends in our siesta times.
Let's not be like Demetrius who is afraid to give, our, give up to our things to God, but instead be like those who used to practice sorcery who are willing to abandon their sin, abandon the things that don't please God and fully dedicate themselves to the Lord and follow him wherever he leads us. Many of these people, including Aquila and Priscilla, returned to Rome even though they were kicked out of Rome. The book of Romans was written to the church in Rome and all the Jews were expelled from Rome just about six years earlier. And they had the, the guts to go back and start planting churches and, dis- and making disciples in Rome. These are great lessons to learn. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you've given us this great cloud of witnesses to look at, to follow in their footsteps of surrendering their lives and giving it all to you. God, I I would pray that there would be those in this room who you would call and call to the mission field maybe. They would leave what they know and follow you wherever you would lead them. God, that you would make us a people who are willing to rise early during our sleep time and be discipled and learn more of you. God, you would cause each of us to realize that we have enough to help somebody else, to offer hope and prayer and point to Jesus. God, I thank you that you are calling all of us one step closer to you. And I pray that you would reveal to each and every one of us our next step that, God, we would be willing and ready to make a difference in our community, to tell others about the hope, the life that's found in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray a blessing upon this congregation today. God, help us to be like the 12 disciples who said, we haven't heard about the Holy Spirit, but We want the Holy Spirit. And let us be empowered and changed by a baptism in the Holy Spirit today. So we commit to follow you into the next step and into the next step and leave the past behind. We commit our all to you in Jesus' name. Amen.